Offering bundled products is quite simply one of the most important things you could do when running an online store. Bundles are so effective that it's one of the few things that's on every single product page on Amazon. Why? Because it works! The easiest way to add powerful and flexible bundle options to your store is the Bold Bundles app. It's become my favorite bundle app. I recently learned it's one of the few on Shopify that doesn't duplicate products or variants and doesn't rely on coupon codes either, so it doesn't mess up your inventory. Every store has a different idea of how they want to offer bundles. Bold Bundles can handle them all. It can do traditional group bundles, BOGO bundles, even no discount, you may also like bundles. The coolest thing though, at least according to me, is the combo product. Bold lets you create a virtual product that represents the bundle, so you can edit the product just like any other in your store, but when a customer adds it to the cart, Bold Bundles adds all the products in the bundle at whatever discount you set. It's seamless. So if you want to add bundles to your Shopify store and increase your average order value in the process, I highly recommend the Bold Bundles app. And as a listener of the unofficial Shopify podcast, Bold is offering it to you free for two months. Just go to kurtelster.com bold, and you can install it from there to get your exclusive offer. kurtelster.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Today on the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we're visiting Route Connect. It's an e-commerce conference billed as the premier event for e-commerce innovators. I have to agree with that statement because they had me on a panel. They invited me to participate in a panel called Hot Takes on Hot Topics, which really uh, turned into a, a wonderful, lively discussion in which not everybody agreed with me about the future of e-commerce, what technologies and trends are going to make an impact in e-commerce in the near future. And that's what we talked about. I was lucky enough that they said I could share the recording with you today. So without further ado, take it away, Mr. Andrew Jones. Well, hello everybody. Thank you so much um, for joining today. I'm Andrew Jones. I'm the head of marketing at Route, and I'm super stoked to be part of this portion of Route Connect. Um, our panel today is absolutely stacked. We have some of the industry's very best. They all have decades of experience um, building some of the world's most influential, interesting, engaging brands. Um, and I, I'm just super, super excited to be able to speak with them today. Um, and like the title of this panel suggests, we're going to be talking all about the future. What's hot, what's not, what works, what doesn't where the crazy world of e-commerce is going over the next few years. But before we get into that, let's just uh, introduce this, this absolute all-star panel. So um, based on who's on my screen first, Emmett, can you uh, tell us who you are, what you're doing? And 
we'll go around. Uh, yeah, hey, I'm Emmett. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, uh, Rout and everyone. Um, I uh, am co-founder of a, a business called Pattern, Pattern Brands. We're uh, a family of brands focused on the home. Uh, we have three right now, open spaces, equal parts, and uh, gear, um, and selling e-com and online. And coming from a background before that, I co-founded a, a digital creative agency called Gin Lane, where we help build and launch a lot of um you know, popular consumer goods, D2C businesses and brands for over a decade. So that's kind of my sweet spot is consumer centric, uh, internet first uh, uh, brands and businesses. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, I'm Kurt Elster. As a, a Shopify partner, I've worked for the last decade, I've worked with uh, a lot of fun Shopify brands uh, at our agency like uh, Hoonigan, Jay Leno's Garage. Um, a lot of a lot of automotive stuff, but I'm I'm probably best known for hosting the unofficial Shopify podcast. <laughs> That's amazing! It's amazing. Let's just keep those keep those sound effects coming throughout this whole thing. Didn't even know that was a possibility. You don't know. You have you don't know what you just unleashed. You made a deal with <laughs> yeah. the devil. Yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see in a bit how I feel about that. But yeah, by now, the third one, cool it, buddy. For now, I love it. For now, I love it. So, um. All right, thanks, Kurt. Lizelle. Hi, guys. Uh, Lizelle Walden here. I am um, jumping in. I, I worked in and around commerce in some way, shape, or form for a long time. Spent a long stint at Nike, about 10 and a half, almost 11 years, working in a variety of roles in marketing. From there, I was the first VP of brand over at, at Lyft, the ride sharing company, so helped them build their brand. Then I worked, came back to the sports world in working in content at uh, the sports media company, Bleacher Report, and most recently was at the company Stitch Fix, um, the personal styling platform, which I think is, is, is a really relevant conversation to today. And I think um, I've, been, I've been consulting a little bit for the last couple of years, working with video game companies, working with a lot of apparel companies, and been um, one of the board advisors for Faraday Brands. So um, spending a lot of time in and around the e-commerce space and learning and seeing what's happening out there. Amazing, amazing. I think my favorite part of, of your intro right there is Lyft, the ride-sharing company. It's like, you guys Not all Lyft, have- the elevator company? <laughs> so exactly. You guys all have incredible experience and are much too modest for the for for what you're doing. You guys are unbelievable. And like I said, I am so excited to be to be talking with you. Like like I said at the beginning, you know, today we're going to be talking all about the future. But before we even get into the future, I would love to just kind of get some thoughts on the current e-commerce landscape. Like let's talk about today for a second, kind of level set where we're at. When you guys look at the current e-commerce landscape right now, D2C, brand building, what are you seeing that you absolutely love today? Whether that's technology, brands, experiences, opportunities, whatever, what really excites you about the D2C e-commerce world today? The democratization um, uh, of tools. For sure, okay. tools are more accessible than ever. Hmm. And that, that's exciting. And what do, you mean, what do you mean by that? So tools in what way and what tools excite you the most? Well, so e-commerce is almost purely software. All of mm -hmm. these things, 10 years ago, uh, like 15 years ago, it was build it yourself and good luck and you will have a team of engineers to manage a database or a series of databases. Like it just, it was not an accessible thing for a lot of people. Today, yeah. anyone can spin up a store in 
you know, like I'm biased towards Shopify, but a number of tools mm -hmm. or marketplaces. Yeah. There's the ease, and I, I completely agree. I think the fact that anybody can jump right in, they can have a passion, they can have an idea, and they can jump right in, they can be doing and selling, that, that's unbelievable. And that's something that hasn't been possible for so long. So I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, any other thoughts on that? Emmett, I, I'm seeing you kind of perk up a little bit. What excites you today? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. Um, with Kurt a lot, like uh, I've been building e-com kind of sites since the early 2000s, and um, you know it was a uh, like feel like a like a blacksmith or a welder, you know, back then compared to you know now. I think um, you know technology at its best, it, it's a rising tide for for all boats, and it is a democratizer and gives access to um, a lot of people who maybe wouldn't be able to you know spin up you know a, a complex uh, service for transmitting, you know, cash for goods across the, the interwebs in the world. Um, I think uh, other things that are kind of like exciting is, you know, the notion of like internet 3.0 and about putting value in the pocket directly of content creators. I think um, it goes hand in hand with somewhat of what Kurt said, which is the ease and accessibility for presenting an idea, whether it is oneself or something you're making or something you're doing and allowing uh, others to transact with that directly. So I think the entrepreneurship of that um, for people who are younger or more youthful oriented, um, I think also goes me as kind of design guy. I like the anti-aesthetic aesthetic a lot, a lot of these sites because they're not trying to be prim and proper and fancy. They're just raw throwing stuff up and focusing on functionality, which is kind of like an allure of yesteryear internet 1.0 aesthetic where it's like blue text and hyperlinks and it's on white or you know when you make it fancy it's like geocities and angel fire it's like purposely bad bedazzled um so a lot of these mobile first websites have like minimal or clunky you know ui because it's really about the the functionality which i think is where the internet is at its best when you're just building um hyper efficient stuff and you're testing in market um, I also am really excited about for pattern. We, you know, we just bought a brand and stuff. And so I've been speaking to a lot of um, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs around America, these mom and pop businesses that are doing, you know, a few hundred thousand, a few million. And I think their stories are not as celebrated in the e-commerce, you know, news or Twitter or whatever, you know, Slack, Discord servers, but it's cool how many and Shopify and other ecosystems and Amazon, thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are supporting family and friends and just had an idea and built something. Yeah, I think, you know, building off of what Emmett is saying a little bit, I think um, you, you touched on a, a piece there around content. I actually think it's really interesting, not just from the influencer marketing side, but also just from the way brands are figuring out how to build experiences that are built around telling stories. We do a little bit of that at, at Farity. Um, if you look at their, their catalog and how they have infused shopping into people, into more of a lifestyle view, you know, I, I, I kind of think that nobody ever wants to go shopping. They want shopping to be, right? Like who does? I don't really yeah. want to go shopping. 
I want shopping to be a really natural and easy part of my life. And so I think all the different ways that people are doing that, kind of blending lifestyle and content and storytelling with shopping, has been really interesting. I mean, Netta Porter has been doing it for a while. We know Casper was doing all that work around sleep to kind of build a deeper experience for consumers that isn't just transactional, you know? Amazon is now launching, uh, I think it's in the beta, I'm not even sure exactly how far along it is, but they were going to give you the opportunity to buy the goods that were in the shows you were watching on Amazon Prime, right? So so innovating in ways that, that take consumers from having to go shopping and actually just seeing the things that they want in their regular life and giving access to them to get it. And so I think that that is gonna be, and there's a few sites playing around in that space as well, um, if we talk a little bit about technology, but I think that's really interesting. Because um, we all know if we've done e-commerce, that the fight to get people to your site, right, um, is is real. And then conversion from there, But but what if that's not the game anymore? And you actually just allow people to shop wherever they are, whenever they are, at the easy click of a button. I want, I see that, I want it, I can get it right now. So I, I think that that is actually really interesting, and I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. Man, I love that. I love that so much. I think kind of like rounding out everything you guys said, I think got felt a lot around like shopping. I, I love what you just said right there. Like nobody really wants to go shopping, but it's good shopping, good online shopping is immersive, it's authentic, it's connected, it's easy, it's efficient. And when I look at e-commerce today and the landscape and why route exists, it's exactly these types of things that like fire me up and get us excited to build product to do that. So I love that. All right. So e-commerce today, we're all decided. It's fantastic. Let's talk about the future. Um, before we get into technology and experience and things that we see coming down the road. Um, I thought it kind of be interesting when, whenever we talk about tech or trends or, you know, there's a thousand blog posts online for trends in e-commerce 2021, what technology do you guys, or what trend, trend or technology do you guys that was supposed to pop that never really did? You know, when we look back at, you know, blog posts or content from 2017, there's there's been things that were supposed to be big for a long time. When you look at like where we're at today, what is something that was supposed to be big and that just never really, never really happened, never really panned out? Well, my favorite were the folks who used to email me and say, hey, what are you doing to optimize for voice search? Well, it's 2021. <laughs> that's still not really a thing anyone cares about, right? Yeah. I even, yeah, we were joking about it, but yesterday uh, in my car, I said, like, play X podcast. And it was, they said, play Terry Carnation. Then this morning, I sat down, noticed in my phone there was an odd iMessage. It had messaged a gentleman named Q Harrison Terry the word Carnation. It's 2021, <laughs> and, like, voice is still that bad. Yeah. Stunning. So I don't know that voice search is, is, or voice commerce really, you know, is, is ever going to be in a, um, a serious thing. At least the way it was predicted when we, you know, we're all running out to buy Alexas in 2017. I think right now, and this one is probably going to be a little controversial, but uh, I think AR is actually one of those things, right? The idea of AR and AR shopping was supposed to be that 
you're able to sort of do things like imagine the goods on your body or imagine the goods in your space. Art.com went through a whole renovation a couple of years ago where they they allowed you to take like a painting and use AR in your house to see what it might look like on the wall. And maybe the technology gets better. And maybe it's a technology challenge why it hasn't totally blown up in more ways, but it, it's helpful in some things like, like Goat, for example, um, that app. They do a really nice job in the sneaker space of allowing people to kind of see what it might look like on their foot, right? But, but I think at the end of the day, um, we looked at AR as a way to replace the being live experience, but there's still a tactile piece of it that it cannot really address. It can't give you depth. It can't give you weight. It can't tell you if it's soft or hard. So I, I think that there's still a way to go in AR. Maybe they get there technology-wise, but I think that hasn't popped the way that, that people thought it was going to. I totally agree. I tried on some sunglasses the other day, and I was like, I can't. I, this didn't give me anything to convince you to buy this or not. And you know? A lot of that stuff feels like a parlor trick. And we've yeah. seen yeah. just absolutely phenomenal examples of it especially like on ios where that stuff works um pretty well natively and has for uh probably two three years now and you never really see it in the wild you never really see people doing it beyond like it's a tech demo and yeah. then like if you want to take that to its extreme is we've also heard about how vr commerce is going to be a thing you know i love my oculus quest headset but i've yet to actually place a purchase or even go shopping with it uh, well, I mean, I kind of agree with everyone. I think in isolation, if I had to like think, I would say AR and VR, but I would also say the nerdy quotes of like, I think we overestimate what can happen in two years and underestimate what can happen in 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm super bullish on AR for everything. I would bet every dollar I have that it like is a transcendent form of like technology that will be woven into the fabric of our lives. I just don't know when. And I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. I think it's going to take some time. But I don't know. I have a lot of friends that work at Apple and other places, and they're like investing a psychotic amount of money infrastructurally um, into laying the rails down for that being a very big part of their business. VR, I just don't like having stuff over my eyes, period. You know, like maybe that's just a paranoia of like human being a person, animal, mammal. Um, and I like, you know, sci-fi, you know, Snow Crash and the metaverse and all that stuff. So that's another inevitable. I just think that's one that's like generations away to some extent. So I think if you're a business and you're focused on not trying to die in a quarter or a year, you know, these are things that are kind of shiny objects versus just core fundamentals that probably you need to focus on. Mm -hmm. Love that. That's a great, that's a great point there. And I think... I think we probably can all agree that's like, I love what you said. Yeah, underestimate. What'd you say? We underestimate what can happen in 10 and overestimate what can happen in two? The, the other way. Other way. Yeah. Perfect. Either way, time, yeah. timing is the thing that we're talking about, right? And I think. Yeah, we, we think that stuff's going to happen faster. And then we also don't realize how much happens yeah. in a, a long, quote unquote, amount of time. Like 10 yeah. years, like a lot has happened and will continue. The, the, it's exponential in terms of the rate of technology and change, but you, you see something and you think it's going to AI, there's going to be, you know, uh, Steven Spielberg, you yeah. know, cyborg robots all around you, you know, like every business is going to have, you know, Hal from uh, Space Odyssey, you know, embedded into their Shopify mm -hmm. ecosystem. And like, that's just right. not the case. 
Yeah, right. you need you need the technology, and sometimes I think you need the appropriate use, right? So, are we applying it in a way that is actually going to be helpful and useful for people going forward? You know, I think um, AI has done has done really well in in some ways in shopping. If you think about what outright I worked at Stitch Fix, and you think about what algorithms can do, right? We you. We used algorithms at Stitchfish to help us pick out clothes for people, which is an intensely personal, difficult thing to do. And so I think with innovations like that, where you start to see the real value it can deliver to consumers, it, it can take off. I mean, a AI is essentially table stakes in e-commerce now. You're not yeah. doing AI, you're, you're completely missing the boat. Um, I'd read somewhere that I think Salesforce put out a report that said that that cart rates, cart checkout rates go up by 25% when there are recommended purchases available. And that can all be powered by AI. You know, even companies yep. like Nordstrom are doing it. So once it proves its value to people, I think that these things can take off. But I totally agree with what Emma and Kurt are saying. The things like AR and VR just, yeah, they seem like gadgets. They seem like gimmicks. We're not quite sure if they help us enough to influence the purchase. Um, so... So it's 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 harder to um, it's harder to really grab onto them. Excuse me, do you know where Fourth Street is? Yeah, up here. Make right, or uh, no, make left. No, no, make right. Man, this person doesn't know what she's talking about. But you know who does know what they're talking about? Zipify Pages, the most powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $100 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. Finally, someone who knows what they're talking about. You can copy entire templates like opt-in pages, product pages, or holiday promos. Or use the drag and drop builder to create your own custom layouts. Then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. That means no plugins and no subdomains. So setup is easy and tracking is even easier. And you don't need a designer or developer. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,700 Shopify merchants. To start your 14-day free trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech nasty. I love that. So rounding that one out, use case, timing, buy-in, all that. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. So I think that's a great, you know, lead into my next question is when, you know, we think about three to five years down the road for e-commerce, what technology do you guys think brands will be using to win online? I was going to say yeah. something that was a little bit related, but connected. Um, I don't know if it's a technology, but more of a space. Video games are continuing to transform and revolutionize what we do. I don't know what that's going to be for e-commerce. There's people who are dancing around it. For a long time, we've used video games as primarily billboards, marketing tactics, right? Like put your logo in there somewhere, you know, if it's N N NBA 2K5 or whatever it is. Put your put your products on their on on the on the players, but I think what we're seeing is that video games are now becoming social platforms and communities. Right? Travis Scott had 21 million. What is it? 16 million people? I think the number was show up for a concert inside of a video game. 
You have Gucci and Burberry and Marc Jacobs debuting product inside of games like The Sims. So, so there's something happening there that, that I don't know that anybody's gotten their arms around, but I think it is, it's going to be a change agent for a lot of industries as more and more people continue to interact. I think the number is something like 60% of adults play video games. Hmm. Pretty compelling market. For you to start to figure out how e-commerce becomes or brands become more than billboards in there, but actually become purchases that people can make. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, so it's that that answer too. That's a combination of space, channel, technology, audience. I love that. That's fascinating. That's a fascinating thing. Mm -hmm. um, Kurt, you were you were saying something as well. Well, yeah, we were talking about uh, AI and machine learning, um, and there's these AI-driven copywriting platforms now that I don't there's several I don't know if you've played with them they're insanely good like frighteningly good yeah. and so if you combine that with um, if you extend that idea out with uh, like split testing you know automating uh, on-site optimization and personalization and pairing it with an engine like this where you know copywriting truthfully I do a lot of conversion rate optimization and copywriting really is often like the number one thing that moves the needle on conversions. Well, if you have enough traffic and enough, like a high enough order velocity and you pair these tools, like right around the corner, you could completely automate that testing. And then the same idea you could extend to PPC ads and just iter if you have a big enough budget, iterate your way to the highest testing ad. And certainly like you can't replace humans entirely, but man, you could start to get close and uh, I don't know. The the idea simultaneously excites and terrifies me. Mm. Excites and terrifies. I completely agree with that. that that's fascinating. Um, okay, let's. Uh, and I want I want your thoughts on this as well because you you are we already know you're bullish on AR over the next you know decade or so, um, which completely makes sense. But in the next you know three four five years, what other technology or channel or experience do you do you think brands should use to win yeah i think uh, like that was spot on um about the emergence of i mean it's kind of funny like ar vr whatever it's it's video games is kind of yeah. the that that virtual experience and it's a, a massive amount of people that spend time and money um within those spaces i i, I think that's that world is really cool i think for the the world I know of normal kind of, you know, Shopify e-commerce type stuff. I would just say it's like less the, the, the technical underpinnings and more what I'd say is, is like conversationality. And I think what, where I hope commerce continues to go, which gets into some of the stuff on AI that, that Lizelle was saying and AI for copywriting that Kurt was saying is the ability to just offer more personalized, fluid conversations. And I think that the medium and the interface becomes less important than the, the messaging. And so, you know, and again, this is where I think like, I try to focus on like intent versus pieces. And I think the intent is like speaking to any brand, it could be Delta Airlines, it could be Nike, it could be a startup CPG drink sold in Erewhon or whatever, and texting them, emailing them, going to a website, chatting, whatever the form of communication is, that is fast, fluid, personal, and ease, frictionless, gets you what you want. That I think is interface-less um, and just, again, if you look at the speed and where things are going, I think the wind tunnel breaks apart a lot of the infrastructural ways in which you have to navigate um, 
digital experiences to get what you want. So I think fluidity, personalization, um, and conversationality are where I would like to see things going um, because I think it's frictionless and easy and personal. I love that. I love that. I think, yeah, wow. I, I just looked at the clock here. We're coming up on time, but I, I feel like we could talk about this forever. The one question I did kind of want to end on, which I think is a nice transition from, from what you all have said, is around creating immersive experiences over the next, you know, today and over the next handful of years. We were talking about the tech, we're talking about the channels, we're talking about, you know, the Travis Scott's and the video games and whatnot. Any last thoughts you guys have on how can brands, maybe, maybe, let's, maybe let me shift this question a little bit. We talked about the future a lot, and I think a lot of what we've been talking about is around immersive uh, experiences, connection, authenticity. Do you guys have any parting thoughts on what can brands do today or what should they invest in today to start building these immersive, connected, authentic experiences? Earlier, Emmett said, you got to nail the, it's something that you have to nail the fundamentals or like get the basics right. I think he's absolutely right. We talked about really cool tech stuff and shiny toys. None of it matters if you don't have that fundamental, uh, all that fundamental stuff nailed. And I think the, the, the important part there, the stuff where we see the brands that exceed, excel, that really excel are the ones that, that act like their own little content production companies, their own little TV studios. So the ones that focus on um, conscious consumerism, social responsibility, where they like know what their goals are and who they are, and they can communicate that with storytelling, with, with content, with by partnering with uh, influencers and ambassadors. That's the really exciting stuff. That's what moves the needle. And all like the, the technology and the toys really are just things to facilitate that. Mm. Great point. I completely, I completely agree, Kurt. I think that when you think about great experience, you think about the whole person. And the importance of having brand purpose has never been more important than it is today. Con what it, the number is something 64% of consumers will switch brands that they buy from based on what the company's values are. So experience is very much emotional as much as it is physical and tangible. And I think that your point about mastering the fundamentals that Emmett brought up is 100% is, is right. It's still about providing great service. It's still about having the right inventory and the right products. It's still, right? All of those things still matter no matter where you are. But what is layered on top of this is this desire and need for people to also and companies to stand for the right things. Now, obviously, a brand like Patagonia is both e-commerce and brick and mortar, but they are basically writing the playbook on, on how to do this. And a lot of that is based on can you create demand and not just capture demand through performance marketing? And they, they understand that game really, really well through the expression of their values. And so that is going to become a bigger and bigger part of the experience. And customers and consumers are going to look much more for brands that can deliver on that than they've ever done before. So, so I think that's a big, a big one for companies as they go forward. I love that. I love that. Completely agree. Um, Emmett, let's end with you, Anne. Any, any parting thoughts on, on this? Yeah, I think uh, we're, it seems like we're all kind of aligned on stuff, which is cool and good because coming from different angles and seeing it the um, same way, I think, is uh, hopefully 
for people listening valuable. Um, I think two things I'd maybe add a little bit are like um, curation and community um, as just other things that are, are piggybacking on what we're kind of talking about. I think, um, you know, part of the, again, artificial intelligence, you know, um, it's like assistive intelligence, really. It's like there's so much um, information out there that I think like curation as a service is kind of like a term you'll like hear more. It's like cast, you know, it's like um, if you can curate information, I mean, that's what algorithms and stuff do in social feeds, but it's, I think people are kind of like, why are you curating this for me? You know, so I think um, we need help sifting through massive, the problem is now there's too much information, right? So you have to, you have to focus. And I think, entities it could be media property it could be e-commerce it's just the world around us we need curation and we need to choose what we want it could be Substack, whatever um i think that's more and more going to be important for for businesses of uh, uh, across the board i think on the community side it, it kind of plays a little bit to what lizelle was saying um of creating kind of um you know uh demand based on you know standing for values and signaling you know, to audiences and community, hey, if this if this is what you're about, we're, we're the people that you want to be um, associating with, transacting with, you know, learning from masterclass style, whatever it is. Um, I think community is, is, is really important and it's really hard to do, you know, having people that follow you on Instagram or subscribe to your email list is not necessarily a community, right? So I think having that like, um, connective tissue, the je ne sais quoi of feeling an affinity for, for a brand is, is a non-algorithmic thing. It is, uh, you can't totally hack that. It's like a human feeling of tribally wanting to be a part of something as we're less, you know, involved in religions than traditionally ever before as we're in this weird COVID, post-COVID work remote world. You know, as social creatures, we need to belong to things. And I'm not saying that we should all just belong to you know, e-commerce brands, but it is, you know, there's, there's state and there's a market and, you know, part of the market's role for better or worse is, is filling that void. And I think people really gravitate towards brands um, that they feel a deep affinity to. So I think if you can do that and by standing for values and stuff you care for, you're not a transactioning kind of business. It's, it's, it's a different value prop that is a little bit more sustainable because it's harder to do. If I, if I were to kind of sum up what you guys just said, I think an interesting through line, get back to the basics, focus on brand, focus on value, focus on community, cut through the noise, ignore kind of the fancy, you know, 10, 15, 20 year, you know, in the future things, and really be deliberate and intentional about what you introduce to your brand or to your store, whether that's technology experience or whatever, get back to the basics, focus on values, drive home your customer, um, your customer needs, and then be really intentional with anything else you do after that. I think, I, I think that's fantastic. And seriously, I could talk about this all day long. You guys have been so insightful, so amazing. Um, we can't thank you enough for being here. And you know, with that, we'll we'll sign off sign off with this one, and we'll see you guys next time. There it is, Kurt. I love it. <laughs> when people ask in my Facebook group what theme they should use, I always see people recommend Flex. Why? Because it's the Swiss Army knife of Shopify themes. It comes with everything you need right out of the sandbox. Flex is truly one of the most flexible themes in the market. 
It's got customizable CSS within the theme editor to give you more creative control without breaking your theme's code. And it comes packed with 10 mega menu navs with six columns each. Whew, that's a lot of stuff. And to make it even sweeter, Out of the Sandbox has been in the e-com game for over a decade, providing some of the best customer experience in the industry. Head over to outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial to get started on your dream store today. The link's in the show notes. And don't forget to use the discount code KURT20, that's K-U-R-T-2-0, for 20% off your theme purchase. And with their 14-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. So please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.